why is because um, some of you here may be listening to prophets operating in this realm. And um, I want to make sure that, you know, as conservators, that we're not in that place. I hope you guys can still hear me. <laughs> and um, we're going to just make absolutely sure that this is clear. It just says, beware of constant predictive prophecy. Many people have fallen into the practice of foreshadowing, and it looks like the Lord. However, it is void of three critical elements, the Lord's intention, provision for his people, and the whys of it after the pattern set by God himself, his son, and his prophets. And you can read the rest of it, but I'm just going to just reiterate a couple of things there just to give you a clear picture of what I'm talking about. I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of prophets are people who call themselves prophets so are taking pride in being able to see the future. There, there's like this whole thing going on in the church now where people are just beside themselves because they feel like they can predict what's going to happen, not only tomorrow, but 10 years, 15 years out. Now, we should be able to do that as prophetic people. I want you to know that. But the problem is when that is all they are doing. The Lord said, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. That is going to happen. And this is going to happen. But there is no, this is how the body prepares. This is why the Lord is revealing to his, this to his people right now. This is direction we are turning toward. So if you see these kind of prophecies and they lack the, the other part, you need to just really have your ears open so that you know that you might be before something that's other than God. So that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. I feel like it's a very um, critical place for us as, as people in the congregation, and we need to be aware of what things look like that draw us and pull us in, things that impress us, because these are the ways that so many of God's people are being deceived. So, and I don't want you deceived. I don't want you falling prey. Start asking questions. If these people are doing that in your presence and you are submitting to this, ask them, well, why does the Lord want to reveal this to us? What is the, what is the posture for the body of Christ? Not just them saying, well, God wants us to be still. No, you need to find out what the Lord is saying. I mean, what he is saying, how do we do this? How do we walk it out? How is this affecting the body? Make sure you're not falling into those pitfalls because a lot of people have tapped into the psychic realm. They're operating out of what is popular and they're trying, they're regurgitating things they've heard other people say and they're, they're, they're mimicking, lots of mimicking, but they can't carry it to its next prophetic place. They can't carry what they hear. So you can, you can discern what people are doing when they can't explain it because the spirit of the Lord is a Lord of understanding. And if they can't give you understanding, that is something else. So these are just, um, these are just little tips 
How can you, if I'm prophesying to somebody, usually this is the thing. If the Lord is speaking and it's not my spirit, you go deeper, you go deeper, you go deeper until the person has an answer. You know, a real answer, not just that you're blessed, not just that, you know, all of this stuff. So just make sure that you're not falling prey. You're going to see a rise of this and people are going to start putting out all of these predictions but there will never be a turning in the midst of it. And the last part of this that points back to Jesus, how is God being glorified through this word? So I wanna encourage you to go back and look at the teachings that we've done and really begin to um, dig this out even further in your own life, in your own life. So just be mindful, be mindful of that. And if you're involved in that, please get out. It's a get out, get out. It's a dangerous place to be. And it's dangerous to walk with a company like that. Um, so this is the schedule for whenever, you know, we don't have any changes in the schedule right now. So we're going to be meeting for Bible study um, this Tuesday. I'm, I'm going to be there and joining you. And we may talk about this prophetic situation a little bit further, but um, all of our services, virtual services will be at 1130 a.m. Hopefully we'll have some insight for you coming soon about local in-person fellowship for those that um, would like that. But we will have some stipulations and we talked about that last Sunday. And we, you know, I was going to do reflections, testimonies. Um, we are going to have a poem this morning, but next week we're going to find out how everybody is doing, see if you've had God answer prayer. And unlike the church that I grew up in and came out of, it's not a testimony that, of, that you're giving that we're taking credit for within the conservatory. So don't think that we're asking for testimonies just related to what God has done for you, a part of this ministry. No, testimonies are testimonies, right? So it's God's testimony that you're giving. So if you have a testimony to share with us that will encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to be able to do that next Sunday. But we're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it brief. God healed me. He healed me of this. You know, our, our God is um, blessed me. You know, we're going to keep it short. So just keep that in mind. We want to hear that. But today, listen, listen, listen. Today, we're going to be talking about the prayer life of Jesus, part three. And I'm going to take you further into that. But before I do, I asked Prophet L.A. Holtz to um, give us a poem, a spoken word piece that will kind of introduce us into this. And this is important to me because I love to hear how the Lord um, speaks to his people when you request them to do something. But I know we have other gifts here within the conservatory. So just let me know if you have something that you believe God wants you to do. It's okay. Sometimes I'll reach out and ask. But just hear this because we haven't talked about what she's going to do. Just like we didn't talk about the poem Dominique shared last week. And we're scribes. So we'll have more reading of poetry, more recital of poetry and spoken word. We may have some brief little um, devotions or anecdotes from people because we are scribes. 
but there's also the art side as well. And I'll be sharing some of my own um, things, you know, in the coming weeks to pull you in. I still write poetry and do all of that. So Prophet LA, let's go ahead and bless us, please. Okay. This piece is called Illustrating, and it's a mix between uh, creative writing and spoken word. Okay. The once robot. The once robust crowds that gathered on Sunday mornings have dwindled down and thinned out like an old man's hairline after the age of 65. Tradition and obligation have taken its toll on the people who still gather for their weekly entertainment. The acts have grown tired and stale. The tricks and treats have run out and being original and creative has long been out of reach of those who are no longer interested in pointing people to Christ. Step right up, folks, the ringmaster yells from the stage, a name once pronounced much differently. See, before, the people pronounced it pulpit. But that word no longer seems to fit because the paying audiences aren't having it. Oh, how the lights dance across wide-eyed faces bursting in anticipation. All that's missing is the popcorn and cotton candy, foods popular at the circus. So the ringmaster serves the sugary sweetness of the word instead, mixing scripture with old wives' tales and his, what Big Mama said. If you take a sniff of the air, you will smell the stench of rotten teeth from eating all the sweets. So now the people are paying for it with irreversible irreversible cavities it's hard to smile when all your teeth have been pulled out so the ringmasters ignore the needs of the people and press forward for clicks likes for fame and clout deep down knowing it isn't what the call is all about how can i get people back in the seats the ringmaster asked but before he could even hear Holy Spirit and the answer, he decided to take matters into his own hands. I have a great idea, he said, and ended by thinking, huh, I am the man. The angels whom have been watching the entire time collectively lean in, waiting to see what the ringmaster is about to do. When they witness his idea, they step back mortified with what they are seeing what is happening to the church? The questions are flying off the walls. The ringmaster begins his grand announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, today you're in for a treat. Instead of the message being about Christ, the message will be about me. I want to start out at the 11 o'clock show with the sermon illustration. Today, there'll be a live castration. Ooh, shocking, isn't it? I don't mean to offend. This is all for shock value. Make sure you go and call and tell all of your friends and next week the price of admission will surely be raised and for your entertainment, I'm going to spit in my brother's face, but no worries. This is how God uses me to sermon illustrate. So come one, come all, take a seat and don't be late. All that's missing is the presence of God 
which has refused to reappear because the ringmaster is too busy doing sermon illustrations instead of elevating Christ above men. Excellent. Just excellent. Wow. Mm. Listen, I, I want you all to just reflect on that piece for a minute. What a painting it is. What a painting. And it is really what we're facing in the congregation today. Mm. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about part three, the prayer life of Jesus. And we've talked about this before, but I just want to put it before you because we need to be absolutely clear that we are on the same page. So we know that prayer is generally forged around difficulty. We talked about this last week. This is a recap. We know it's also forged around goodness, community, and blessings. And we know that Jesus' prayer life gives us the model to do all of these and to walk boldly into his prayer life. Jesus' prayer life teaches us, and this is very important. I've changed it a little bit because we move forward. So I want to add some more to it. Jesus' prayer life teaches us to remember and pray from who and whose we are. Pray from who we are and whose we are. His prayer life teaches us to believe and stand on who we are and where we are. Location is very important in our prayer lives. I want to say that again. Your spiritual location is very important to your prayer life. Oh. We've been called to live out who we are. And listen, we heard just from that poem, that, that, that profound creative writing that Prophet L.A. shared, we've learned that a lot of people really are living out who they are. And as, a body, as the body of Christ, we've got to stop making room for the circus. There could be no circus if there were no patrons. <laughs> I mean... If we didn't show up, the circus would be shut down. So your spiritual location is just as critical to exiting the circus that we've created and that we've even talked about in our prayer lives as it is to exposing the ringleaders in the midst, right? Oh my goodness. So we have to live out who we are. We can't hide that. So I hope that by what we're going to talk about today, that you all are willing to accept what you see as truth. That's the question. Can you accept what is presented before you as the truth of what people are living? Or will we make an excuse as patrons inside the circus? Jesus's prayer life the whole purpose of his prayer life, the whole purpose of who Jesus is, the whole purpose of Jesus demonstrating his mind in the earth is to move us into the apostolic life that he lived and bend us 
into his apostolic mind. So important. Full measure and fullness is about becoming stewards of the mind of Christ in our own lives. But we have the mind of Christ. That's what the scripture tells us. You know, so are we living that out? Are we living out what we have? That part is so critical to the message and where we're going today. Jesus' prayer life gives us a model. So we agree that Jesus is our compass. We agree that Jesus' way is righteous. We agree that believers' authority is real. We agree that Jesus' yoke is easy. Jesus' burden is light. We agree that Jesus is enough. And we believed and agreed that Jesus gave us prayer guarantees. And we've learned up until now that the best way to pray is through those guarantees. In the, in the state of our mind, but also in the word of God. Now, it's so important because I know that we have, um, we still battle a lot of religious mindsets. And I just want to talk about that real quick, religious strongholds. There are probably people listening right now who are already talking about, well, I know how my prayer life is and God answers me. Or they may be saying things in their thought life like, um, well, this has always worked. I ain't going to change. Look, I want you to know that when you hear those kinds of thoughts within yourself, those are surefire signs of religious strongholds. Really bad. They're really strong signs of an unteachable spirit. Because what we're sharing with you through the life of Jesus is, even if that has worked for you, what if there is a better way? What if there is a better approach? What if there is a place that you can try differently for 30 days, for 60 days, for 90 days? See, an, a religious stronghold won't try it because a religious stronghold has its own righteousness set in place. That's being unteachable. That's not the devil. You know, that, that's people in their stubbornness. That's people in their pride. That's people in a place unwilling to say, could I be wrong about how to do it today? Maybe that is why my prayers have not been answered. Maybe that is why things are hindered. Am I so religious that I'm stopping up my ability to hear God in new and fresh ways? So I want to be clear because a lot of people talk about the, the religious spirit and the religious stronghold, not realizing that they are walking in it. The craziest thing we'll see in certain areas, because I'm still walking out the religious spirit in some areas, but prayer is not one of them, right? So I want us to even have that view. But if, you're, if your prayer life is jacked up, if your understanding of the prophetic realm is jacked up, then unfortunately, a lot of the theology and the philosophy that you hold probably has a lot of holes in it too that can't carry you into a better place. So this needs to be said. And so Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus for a teachable, uh, a teachable release of your spirit to come upon us. Father, we decree and declare that we will search your spirit, Father, for truth to what's going to be shared today, Lord, because this is probably one of the most controversial 
aspects of this teaching that we're going to look at. So Lord, we ask for grace in our in our understanding. All we have to do is lift our hands up and say, Lord, I'm willing to learn something new. I'm willing to consider this in a way that I haven't considered it before. Lord, I know my mind is still bound by all those years of teaching, but what I am able to receive in this moment, Lord, perfect it for me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I pray from the mind of Christ. I think from the mind of Christ. My thought process revolves around the mind of Christ. My maturity is not based on religious ideals and knowledge of the scripture, but personal revelation that has caused that knowledge and that wisdom to give me life more abundantly. That's where I live in my prayer life, God. And I agree with you concerning your guarantees. And I agree with you concerning who I am in Jesus' name. Father, I may not be able to help my thought process right now, but Holy Spirit, who is alive and well on the inside of me, is my eternal teacher. So I decree and declare that I will not hinder Holy Spirit from teaching me in Jesus' name. So Father, we just thank you for what you're doing right now in the midst of this teaching. Be our GPS, be our compass. Lord, show us the way in Jesus' name. Our foundation scripture is Psalm 11, one through three. If the foundations of a godly society are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Father, we thank you also that those foundations of prayer that have been set by heretical teachings come down in Jesus' name. That you, Lord, move all the duct tape and the gorilla glue from off of those things in our minds and in our hearts. That you allow us to disconnect from these prayer associations and prayer groups, Lord. Those that are serious about this, that are praying death upon us, that are pulling us into the doctrine of men, the synagogue of Satan. Father, we decree and declare that we who know the truth and can receive the truth can break free in Jesus' name and live from that place of abundance that you have given us without us having to compromise to fit whatever group we're trying to stay a part of in Jesus' name. Father, this is no condemnation. I declare this is no condemnation to other people, but for conservators, we have to move into this different place. Christ, our pattern. Christ, who's given us our identity. Christ, who is leading us by his guarantees. And Father, I thank you that the greatest intercessor is Jesus, and we must first agree with him before agreeing with one another. So I hope that that is real clear to you. Let's agree with Jesus first. Let, let, let's agree with Jesus before we go around trying to agree with other people. You know, because we've talked about that, that courts of heaven stuff. We've talked about a lot of that. And you need to know that that does not have a place and what God has called us to do. Oh my goodness. And who he's called us to be in our prayer lives. 
Listen, I hope that you all understand that. I hope that you understand that. The believer's authority is real, but this is how we define it within the conservatory because in religious circles, it's always about the bait of Satan. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever said that word before, bait of Satan, that phrase. I don't think I've ever uttered it a day in my life. But I will say this. We have to define the believer's authority by Jesus, not by Satan. All right. So the power to resist everything in your heart and mind that opposes God, that is the authority that you have been given. So there is a believer's authority, but listen, it's also the place that Jesus walked out his ministry in the earth realm. He knew that he had the power to resist everything in this world that opposed God. And he gave that authority to us. So we're flipping that a little bit. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. We do have the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. We do have the power to resist all adversarial works. We do have the power to uphold the mind of Christ. We do have the power to receive the guarantees. We do have the power to live out our identity in Christ. In order to believe that we are the bait of Satan is to believe that Satan has some kind of power that supersedes God. It's to believe that he's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, and even omnificent. In order to believe that he is attacking everybody as an individual and as a person, we have to believe that Satan has some power that is rivaled right there with Jesus. Can you all see that? Can you see that? Can you hear what I'm saying? Listen, we need some feedback because either God is all powerful or Satan is all powerful. You, in order for us to do that and to believe that we have to believe something like that, right? I want to share something with you real quick. This isn't... um. I had to go and look up how many times Jesus talked about the devil. How many times Jesus talked about Satan. How many times, listen, six times in three years of his ministry. Six. Six times. Huh. Let me give you those times. Matt, um, let me, I, I printed these out and I was like, God, we need to understand this six times, but the average Christian that you encounter speaks of him in every single prayer they pray, every single teaching they do, whenever something goes wrong in their lives, it's his fault. Every single, listen, something twistedly, demonically wrong with that. Have we been so blinded by the teachings of men 
that we would give the devil that kind of power. Oh my God, three years of ministry and Jesus mentioned him six times as the devil or about Jesus. Again, Jesus, not his apostles, but Jesus, who is the ultimate example of our faith. Number one, we already know this, but we know this because, you know, I'm just going to read this. Mark 5, 7 through 8. Just, just hear me out. <laughs> Mark Faye says, crying out with a loud voice, this demoniac said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he has said to him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. I just want you to see that this is one time that Jesus talks about the devil. So you can assume by these things, uh, there are more that listen we're going to talk about his temptation and all of that i'm just proving a point so i want you to know that if it had to do with casting out spirits like jesus was facing in this situation we see him tell that unclean spirit to go and last week when we talked i told you when you think of the word devil devil just doesn't mean the the the, the pitchfork the horns the fallen angel. It means anything that is darkness in a lot of the conversation. And in some conversations, it's talking about the serpent. It's talking about Satan, the, which the word simply means in its, true con, in its true translation, adversary. I'm not making this up. Study it yourself. Oh my goodness. We see Jesus talk about Matthew 4.10. Jesus said to him, said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. But what we're looking at Jesus use is he's not talking about what the devil is doing. He's declaring in his, in his situation where he was being personally attacked, he's taking a stand. He's taking a stand and he moves on. He doesn't dwell there. John 8, 44. Oh my goodness. Jesus was speaking to a group of Jews. And you know, they had just got through harassing him. John 8, 44. And he said, you belong to the, your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. In this instance, he is talking about Satan, the ultimate adversary. He's talking about the influence of the serpent. So we see him again. Now, this is the second time. I'm not reading these in order. This is the second time. And, and, and he's not talking to him like many of us do. He's declaring, look, this is how you acting. This is, it seems like your father is this person because you're moving from that example. So Jesus spoke of the devil as an example for the behavior of the religious spirit in the church, right? So that's what we're seeing. The first example I gave you, we see him declaring the position. He said, look, devil, this is where you belong. But this was a specific situation. This is something we're going to look at in a, in, a, in a few minutes. But I want you to see that. 
Oh man, we have whole discourses with the devil when we're supposed to be talking to God. Hmm. We're supposed to be talking to the Father. But there we are thinking we have some power to be talking to a devil. We call him out of his name. You never see Jesus call the devil out of his name. He never called the devil stupid. <laughs> he called him serpent. You know, he called him wicked. He called him a, you know, we see. This is, uh, just listen, just follow. Don't get upset, people of God. Matthew 25 and 41. When Jesus sits on his throne in heaven, he will separate those who were true believers by those who were not. But Matthew 25, 41, it says this. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what he said. He said, look, yeah, old Slewfoot and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I also want you to recognize something profound in, in this passage. All of this, that this conversation, Jesus, is happening, is still happening while the old covenant is in effect. Remember, the new covenant does not come into effect until Christ is resurrected. So there's a lot of things that happen in the new covenant that were still relevant. When people died, they would go to the holding place that they always went to. I'm going to stop there because I want to make sure we're not crossing over into another teaching too soon. But I just really want you to think about that. I want you to think about those people really were going to a place that, that was fit for them in that sense just listen follow so what we got number three now right so mark five seven through eight not everyone you know well let's just say this mark five seven through eight it says i read this before you again i'm gonna read it again crying out with a loud voice the demoniac said what have you to do with me jesus son of the most high god i adjure you by God, do not torment me, for he had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. This is important because you need to see that Jesus acknowledged evil. We know this. He acknowledged devils. He acknowledged demons, but he didn't give them power. Look at how he talked about that. So we're down to that. Number four, Luke 10, 17 through 19. Oh, my goodness. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I want you to hear the context of Jesus's conversation about the devil. Ha! I, I hope you guys are seeing this. He's telling them, let me finish it. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I want you to see that Jesus did not address their, their excitement that they had power over the devil. Oh. Jesus, they, they were like, Lord, even the devils have subject to us. But today 
People brag about their ability to cast out demons. They brag about their deliverance ministries. They brag about all of these things that they can do. And here is Jesus saying, he said, well, look, I'm telling you, I saw Satan fall. Oh my God. Some of y'all are catching this. Jesus' response to that mess was, I saw Satan fall. In other words, Jesus said, I don't care. That's what Jesus said to them. I don't care that demons are subject to you. Jesus said, I don't care. Oh my God. Oh, somebody is getting this. Jesus responded, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He didn't just fall. He fell in a hurry. He was like, zoop. In other words, what difference does it make? I have given you a right. You, you should celebrate because you have the same authority that I have. But they celebrating the devil. Oh my God. All right. Somebody get that next week. It's, 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 it's profound. When you see people all over this stuff doing the same thing that the apostles did back in the day. Lord, look at all them. If your ministry ain't casting out devils and demons, like like they're not showing them folks falling all over the ground and God ain't there. We have power. No, you're a showboat and you're following patterns and processes that folks just started doing back in the 40s and 50s. After these weird, after these revivals and some of the weird things that came after these amazing revivals, bending buckets and coughing up devil stuff you will never see in the Bible. What is that? Mm-hmm. Don't be mad. That's why I prayed before. This is going to be a hard one today. Very difficult because a lot of these cows have to come down. A lot of them, a lot of this stuff is man-made. I'm not saying we don't have to cast out devils. If you've ever worked in the sex trafficking arena, you see a lot of demonic presence. There is no denying the presence of the enemy. There is no denying. Listen, the, one of the last um, conferences, not conferences, what weekends we did, there was this young lady that um, man came in manifesting left and right, backwards and forwards. And almost everybody in there was powerless because then they were trying everything the church had taught them. But what happened that night is one of the ladies had a revelation. My, I was a part of that group and I just kind of looked. I wasn't involved in that that was going on. They called me in. But I was like, they were doing too much circus stuff. So I could not be a part of that. I waited until they just left the young lady on the floor. They just left her there. And I was like, we can do more if we pray in the spirit and let the Lord handle it. I'm just, this is just an example. One example of one person that speak for everybody. But I'm sharing that with you because it's necessary. 
when we think we're actually fighting a physical devil, when we don't know our authority, Jesus, I mean, we can't get any plainer. When the, the apostles came to Jesus, look, 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 look. We cast out devils and they bragging. But listen, we went on about our business that day, praying. She just laid there in the corner and um, praying, singing, uh, um, continuing with that. Because listen, that was a distraction. I hope you're following me. We could have gotten lost in that all day long. But there was a point that came as we just start, we, we all just started waking up to what we should do. Let's just celebrate God. Let's just worship. This is a contained environment. The presence of God is here despite all that's happening, all that's going on. That person just got up, just zapped straight. <laughs> oh my God. Mm, 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 mm. Anyway. I, I just wanted to give you that. I know I went off script for a minute, but we need to see. So I want you to go back and read these passages. I want you to look at them. And the, what you need to look at is what was Jesus's response and where was his mind in the midst of those responses? He did not even address the fact that they had power over the enemy because Jesus was like, of course you do. This is that, you know, th this has nothing to do with you are powerful. <laughs> you are powerful. Can you, if you can receive that, look, some of you have been with the conservatory, not the conservatory, but the um, school to scribe a long time. We've seen people straighten up from teaching. We've seen people manifest. We, this happened all the time. At some of our conferences, people just fall out in the middle of the teaching. We knew that was there. They just fall out, wake up healed. It doesn't have to be a show. We don't have to take credit for it. We don't have to name it because it's not us anyway. It's only by the power of God. Oh, Luke 10. 17 through 19, keep that in your hearts. Matthew 4 and 7, this is what it says. This is Jesus and his temptation. We're about to talk about that. What, no, um, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus is, um, this is a situation in which um, it, it, it's, a, it's a recap of a passage of scripture from Psalm 91. But it says this, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. We're going to go back and look at that passage of scripture later. But I want you to know that that passage of scripture shows us that we put, that, that when we begin to elevate the enemy above God, we're, we're like inciting a spiritual competition. Can you guys see how we do that? Can you see how that takes place? When, when we're, we're, I want you to see that. So Jesus is saying, there's no need, there's no competition here. There is no competition. Oh my God. 
There is no competition. The other scripture I gave you was Matthew 25, 41. I'm not going to repeat that. So we're not, we're always talking about the power of the devil, the power the devil has. But I, I want you to know that it's a power he had. H-A-D, past tense. Past tense. Past tense. Past tense. I know that's hard for us to comprehend when we look at the world and the way the world is in. But when we understand that the world is not redeemed, that outside of the kingdom, which is where we are, that the things that make the world rage still happens because evil and the demonic and all of that is fueled by the systems of this world. But for us who have the living power of the spirit on the inside of us, we know what it is in reality and we know what Christ has already accomplished. And we can say to ourselves, this will have no power over me. Even if it tries to manifest, I'm shutting it down in Jesus name, because that's what we were taught to do in the mind of Christ. So many people are confused about healing simply because of the way men have taught them, simply because they are not clear on when the old covenant ended and when the old covenant began, the moment Jesus's blood was shed. The moment he gave up his spirit, we started a new life in Christ. So even things that took place prior to that moment must be considered from this place of completion, which will explain a lot next week when we go through and we look at how the apostles continued the ministry of Jesus. We have to look at Jesus from the had place. Before I move forward, are you all okay? We have to ask this. Yes. If, if you are um, unclear about something, the place to come, if this is your home, is the conservatory. Ask, did Jesus need to pray? Probably not, because he was God. But did he have to pray? Yes, he did. Why? Why did Jesus have to pray? Because his earth life was about example to us. That's why. He wanted to make sure that we knew how to navigate all of these things surrounding our life in Christ. He had to give us the life that he was presenting to us. Well, Jesus is Christ. But we have to understand that. We needed an example. And last week we learned about all the different types of all the different ways he said, follow me. This is my example. Do what I do. We know that. So he had to do that. He lived his life out of our experience, meaning he, he, he lived his life as human in the earth. And that including, get this, exemplifying our relationship with him and with, with God. And we needed to understand our relationship with God. I this is another critical point. We need it to understand our relationship with God because our relationship with God in the new covenant was way different than the relationship of everyone in the old covenant. Remember, in the old covenant, we needed a priest to go on our behalf. 
In the old covenant, the Lord didn't talk to everybody. He just talked to his priests and prophets and they told the people what they needed to do. The Lord chose specific people for a work for him. People didn't get to have the ministry of their choice. They didn't get to choose what God is leading me to do. They didn't get to do any of that in the old covenant. It was only the people God picked out and ordained. It was an exclusive community. Jesus came to show us Teresa. You can go to him directly. You don't have to wait on Moses. Jesus showed us that if you cry out, but Father, I am with you. Jesus showed us that we have his ear once we come into the kingdom. Those are issues of prayer that did not exist in the old covenant. You can study it out. Jesus had to exemplify prayer life. He had to exemplify relationship so that we would come to know. Oh my goodness, how beautiful it is to have access anytime we want it. Oh, gosh. The veil was torn. Living water began to flow from all of us, not just from the rivers, not just from the prophet. We didn't have to stand by a pool and wait for an angel anymore. We didn't have to go send for the prophet. We didn't have to go send for the priest. We didn't have to wait for the day of atonement anymore. We didn't have to wait for the feast of tabernacles anymore. We, guys, you should be getting revelation after revelation from this understanding. Jesus wanted to demonstrate relationship. That's why he made sure that those that were with him were close to him. He had 12 and they had full access to him. They had intimacy. Oh my goodness. The three knew the depth of Jesus. John knew him at a level that none of them did. I want you to see Jesus' example and demonstration. But what we have in the circus today, sideshows, as a possible nerd teaches, carnivals going away. You know, people go to one city, throw a carnival, go to the next city, have a carnival. Then the big top comes with all the major. I mean, my God. The big top, all the headliners. <laughs> you know, you, oh, what, what are we doing? I'm just giving you a picture. I'm not saying God isn't in these places. But I, I have to make it plain to you. And then you have all of these untouchables. Inaccessibles. Oh, my God. Oh, that's absolutely right what Apostle Pamela wrote. That's exactly right. I get it to the bone. Wow. I want you all to see this teaching is really going to hurt people that, that, that are tied to their religious strongholds and that love the circus. I can just sense that there are people even right now, not able to move forward because of some things I shared just a minute ago, but father, we pray 
that they're able to disconnect from that one thought and come into this place so we can walk through this. Oh my goodness. Jesus showed us what relationship is and I refuse to let anyone snatch my relationship from me by telling me I've got to go backwards to get God to answer me in a prayer. I refuse. And you should refuse too. Oh man, we ain't gonna have time. We're not gonna, we're not going to have time. Let me correct my English for you because I know that I speak Georgia. <laughs> so um, I'm going to just go on to um, this real quick. I want you to see, I want you to see this. <laughs> John three, we're gonna go down to verse 13. Then Jesus came to Galilee. Um, John, um, this is Matthew three, Matthew three. 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And do, so in other words, John is like, look, I, I need a, I need a prophetic word. I need hands laid on me. I need to be baptized by the spirit. I, look, so this is John. And in the, in the presence of you, but you want me to baptize you? And Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus understood that in order for the people who were following John to be able to receive the new thing that he was doing, the leader, the last old, old covenant prophet the last old covenant prophet, the last old covenant prophet had to fulfill that aspect of the prophecy by doing, by being the example of immersion. He had to fulfill the moment he had been, been created for his whole life. He had to then baptize Jesus as the new revelation. Because he understood that people follow what they see. If the leader everybody respects doesn't um, anoint the one who is greater and declare that this is the new way, everybody is going to continue in the old way because they trust the wisdom of John. They trust the wisdom of the greatest prophet. They trust the wisdom of the one who prepared the way. So the one who prepared the way had to change up at the last minute before those crowds. How do we know there were crowds? Look at Luke 3. Same passage of scripture, different gospel. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. Oh my God. Jesus understood that if John did not baptize him with water and make the transition, the people would continue looking to John as God, as Jesus, as a place of worship, just like they had followed all the priests before. Oh, Jesus. 
But the scripture says, John answered them all. I baptize you with water. Oh my God. But one who is more powerful than I will come and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor. I want you to see the changing of the guard. I want you to hear when everything that they had ever known changed. And to gather the wheat into this barn, he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Oh, belief systems. The law. That was the law of sin and death. Oh, ways. And with many words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to him. Let's go back. Uh Oh, no, no. I got to read one more so you all will know. But when John rebuked Herod, the church because of his marriage to Herod, his brother's wife, and all of the evil things, Herod added this to him all. He locked up John in prison. But I want you to see this. When all the people were being baptized, I want you to see this. All the people. So when we go back to the book of Matthew, it wasn't just Jesus and John. It was Jesus and all the people. And listen. John had left them with the prophetic word. That's why Jesus said, let's go back. That's why Jesus said, I need to be, he said, um, Jesus said, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What was the all righteousness? It was this statement that John had made before. Can you see it? I promise we're still talking about prayer. Can you see it? Oh my goodness. I want to make sure you guys can see it. So when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And what was Jesus doing while he was being baptized? He was praying. He was praying. And heaven was eternally opened. In other words, a new way came forth. A new way began to emerge on the people. A way that has ne- heaven has never closed since that day. It has always been open to us. And there was Jesus before the people. And that was when Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Heaven opened and it has never closed again, ever. Now, what happened next? This is important. And so far, as far as we're going to be able to go today, I don't know what is happening. I don't know what just happened. As long as you can still hear me. I'm going to um, pull out my Bible because obviously I can't pull up that scripture. Whatever just happened on the computer, we won't test it. So we're going to go um, Matthew 4. And I just want you to look at this. This is Jesus' situation. You will never see anyone else in the entire new covenant that was tested this way. Can you agree? 
Oh my goodness. I hope you guys can still see me. I'm going to text and find out. Um, hold on. I'm just making sure. Can you guys hear me? Okay, good. So I'm going to keep going because my screen is frozen. So I'm going to keep going. So it says this, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, in this case, we know that was definitely Satan, <laughs> right? Right. This was, this was Jesus' situation. Again, this was Jesus' situation. I know you all can't see the scripture. As long as you can hear me, we're good. We're good. So it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and said, and, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Now, I'm not going to read all of this. Well, I'm going to read this last one, this one. Verse six, it says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord, your God to the test. The first thing Jesus went through after his elevation, after the Lord released him into his ministry, after his time had come, he was tempted of the devil. This is not about your temptation or my temptation. We're looking about Jesus's temptation right now. Jesus's prayer response, his intercession, his warfare was the word. It was the word. He didn't fight with somebody that he had already counted less than him. <laughs> Jesus wasn't calling him names. He wasn't throwing rocks and stumping. He didn't need any camouflage. He, he, he entered this kind of prayer, listen, with his identity. I know who I am. He entered this prayer with the authority he had been given in the earth realm. I know the power that is within me. He began his intercession, this place of prayer, with understanding the guarantees and the promises of God. His mind was already in the place it needed to be. He, he, he didn't have to work up the courage to stand. Jesus already had the faith to believe that God was going to deliver him from this situation. I, I, I just believe with you that when we have the mind of Christ, this is what our warfare will look like. I'm hurting in my body. Oh my God. I don't know what's happening, but I believe that, I, you know, I'm suffering, but I believe. 
God, I'm battling depression, Lord, but I believe. God, my faith is enough. I'm going to fight this battle from a place of faith. I'm going to turn to the word, not somebody's book. I'm going to turn to the pattern that Jesus set when he was on the cross. I'm going to live out of my mind. I'm gonna... Jesus taught us how to live from our identity, how to pray from our identity. What if our what if our greatest disruption in prayer is that we have not understood that the goal has been in the prayer realm to pray from the mind of Christ? I'm not there yet. Well, prayer will get you there. Oh my goodness, how do I know? I know because some of you have already been through the trial of your life. Some of you are going through the trial of your life right now. Some of you have situations that are unbearable and the prayers that you've prayed in the past, they've worked. But what what if there is a way now that God is awaking us to where we won't have to toil so much, where we don't have to starve ourselves for 90 days, where we don't have to spin around and do flips and and, and and do all the stuff that religion tells us. What if I can have what I say? What if this is the mind that is in Christ that's in me? What if? Oh my God, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Where has where has been the highest threshold that you have stood? And then the devil said, jump. Jump with that man. Jump with that woman. Jump into that scheme. Jump into that circumstance. And in your mind, uh, the spirit of the Lord began to flood you with the promises of God. He began to encourage you. This is what this, uh, and it taught you that God would never leave or forsake you. Every triumph brings us into another place. It's supposed to bring us into another place of faith. It's supposed to bring us into a higher level of thinking like Christ. It's supposed to bring us into a higher place of revelation of who we are in Christ and of who Christ is. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I I just, let's go real quick to Matthew 5. I just want you to see this also. I pray that you're still reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I just can't get away from this. And this is the last part. Look, in the circus, When people see crowds, the circus show begins. But whenever Jesus saw a crowd, there was no circus show. And I want you to go and look at how he approached crowds. There was no grand entrance. There was no finale. There were no stunts. Look, look at this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him. So his disciples, oh, we following Jesus. 
he our apostle. We following him, <laughs> you know. And he began to teach them. And this is what he said. He prayed for them. Everybody teaches this as teaching. But I want to I show you something where he switches into teaching. But this wasn't teaching. Look, he begins, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you and when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Now, I like that scripture because it clearly says, um, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me not because of you but because of me right because <laughs> these believers these days they swear they under attack and people talking about them but it's not because of jesus there's a difference we have to see what they saying right he said rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you then he says he starts teaching. He says, you are the salt of the earth. So we see between verse 11, I mean, verse 11, 12, and then verse 13, that whole part, verse um, one, all the way to 13 is really a prayer. He's blessing the people. He's, he's releasing God's will over the people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because when you see crowd, when Jesus saw crowds, he had compassion immediately. He didn't see devils and witches and warlocks. Were they there? I'm sure they were. But he saw what God saw. He saw the hope of a nation. He saw the hope of eternity for a lost people. He saw opportunity to preach the new covenant. He saw the chance to pray. I believe that Jesus lived perpetually in prayer. But because we see prayer so one-dimensionally, we often, men, we teach on this dimension, but we don't realize how big of a dimension it was in the life of Jesus, the dimension of declaration. The dimension of, of declaring what it's going to be, not just how to get rid of it. We declare health and healing to you in Jesus' name. How can I say that? Because Jesus said it. We declare peace of mind, wholeness in your thoughts. We declare the mind of Christ. I don't care what the diagnosis is on your mental health or how long you've been battling depression. It doesn't matter. We still declare it because God's word will not return to him void. We pray and we live from the mind of Christ. There's more, but we don't have time for that. So I pray that this has blessed you today. Someone can stop the recording for me.
And um, I'm